Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Right, uh, 11 o'clock hour. Welcome back. Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Busy hour still to come. Alex Halstead in about ooh, 12 minutes or so talking Iowa State basketball and football as the Cyclones get set to take on Texas. Basketball is off until next Tuesday, uh, but we'll get Alex Halstead in there. They uh, promised signed his class. Everybody that was supposed to be a part of it is. Hey, um, and then Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, eleven thirty-five. You mm-hmm. were gone yesterday, Joshua Gunle. I know you didn't miss the story, but you didn't have an opportunity to opine on the mm-hmm. story. Uh, very similar path than Gable Lashaney, right? I mean, the, certainly the fact that they're both Brits, both from the UK. They're both six eleven ish. Got a center? Had some Power 5 offers? Yeah, Ogundale is certainly the best of this recruiting class for Iowa. Do you know much about him, Trent? I, I think he is looked at more of kind of a project. It's going to take a, a little while maybe to reshape him. He's not going to guy that you're going to plug into the lineup. Certainly, I don't think next season right away. But, but go back to Olashaney when he was a freshman. He yeah. had that project uh, label, too. He did. Olashaney, much more athletic yeah, guy that could athletic. run the floor. He uh, might have been as fast as anybody on the team. Yes, absolutely. He could get up and down there. That is not what you're going to get with Gun- Unagdaily. He is... Th- How do you say his name? It's not Agundale? Agundale? That's how I've been saying it. That, that looks right. That sounds right. Regardless, uh, we'll get it figured out by the time he arrives on campus uh, next September. But no, he, he's a guy that I think is going to be more of a developmental player. But you have Luca Garza back for next season. And you mm-hmm. have bigs for next year. You can afford to take one of those guys that has upside. Plenty of that. Got a pretty good looking stroke for a big man. You know, I've heard a lot of comps, maybe a Nick Ward type from Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's effective. <laughs> you would you would take a big Absolutely. body like that, and going up against the big bodies that you face seems like Purdue's always got a uh-huh. slew of guys. Michigan yeah. State's got those kind of dudes. You're going to need some thickness inside. So yeah, good one. And, and finally, beating out some other conference teams from the power level to get somebody that's got to feel pretty good. Be Providence, Cincinnati, Rutgers, even from the Big Ten. All right. Better than the other guys out of that recruiting list. Safe to say, though, he's not a hawk. Had Foster decided to go to Iowa State, or is it? I don't know. They had a. They have another scholarship, and I think. I, I wonder if it would be we would take both if available. Mm. I think you could play both those guys together. Xavier Foster, you can play in that stretch four role. Well, we no longer have to think about it. Not going to be a concern <laughs> for be. Freddie Max boys. No, you know when we uh, when we taped a TV show this morning uh, on MediaCom that airs MC Twenty Two Inside the Numbers. We spent some time talking both Iowa and Iowa State basketball, and you know the big question for this this Hawkeye team, Trent, is they were embarrassed, and we we opined on it uh, earlier this week. I don't want to you know beat a dead horse, mm-hmm. but you will. But as you go forward, and this and this and the schedule is it's. So daunting this it year, is. November and December. You're almost wishing like they had the one of those normal, um, you know, one team after another that you know barely got a pulse. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case this year. Then this team 
who's the leader of the squad? Who who's the guy that you know brings them together on the floor when they, you know, they're starting starting to get away? Who's the one that gives them a kick in the not not the we know McCaffrey does that, but who's the player? Who's the peer uh, that kicks this team in the pants when they need it? I think that guy continues to be Luca Garza. We saw that from the beginning of his career a couple years ago as a freshman. He is very demonstrative out there. He is verbal. He will holler. Also, holler at officials from time to time. Goes up there, and it seems like he's always yelling when he, there's contact, trying to get that call and get an A and one. But I think he's the guy that you have to rely on. Wieskamp is the most talented player. But he's quiet, though, isn't he? He is. He, he just doesn't have that grab a guy by the shirt uh-huh. collar if need to and pull him to the side. Doesn't seem like Wieskamp is that kind of guy. Even Connor McCaffrey has a little bit of an edge to him. Mm-hmm. But, oh, he's got a lot of edge to him. But you do wonder, being the coach's kid, I mean, that, that's... At the very least, it's an odd kind of impact to it. It's got to be Garza. He's got to be the guy that does that, go out there. And, and another guy that has that edge to him is Cordell Pemsel. But they need to find leadership. They they have to find somebody that can take them because there's only so long you can hear Fran McCaffrey yelling at you right. before it starts to go back. And if this season goes the way it's heading, there could be a whole lot of hollering. Can Pemsel be that, uh, take that leadership role when he's playing 8 to 10 minutes a night? I think so. I, I think you can have those kind of players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be a special type of player to be able to do that, but I think he can be that kind of role. More than anything, though, they, they just have to figure out how they're going to play, what they're going to be, what is going to be their MO. Is it the same old, same old? We're going to score. We're going to get up and down the floor. We're going to score a lot of points because if they do that, the way this team is constructed, they're going to give up a lot on top of it. This is going to be much like that team we saw two years ago. You know, last year, they were great defensively. But they were better. They there, were better. There was more effort. You could see yes. that the effort at least was there. They're, two years ago, no. Tyler Cook was never going to be a great defender. That's Boy, just they, they something that he's so never... Luka Garza, is not, he's not a good defender. Bohannon is not a good mm-hmm. defender. But you can make do if there's effort there. There was an effort for long stretches. Jack Dungy was completely lost. Yes. He was... Not only was he not getting out on shooters, right. he wasn't also bodying up down He's got low. No confidence, Trent. No, not at all. You know, and he was one of the reasons I thought this team maybe had a chance to be better than most thought. I mean, even in so far as he brings nothing to the team, there, there was point. a reason he was available on right, the grad transfer right. market. Now, look, there's a lot, there's a lot of basketball to be played. Maybe he's just feeling his way around, and I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't think he can count on much anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see uh, going forward where this team's going to get. So, uh, speaking of that, there is a prop up at William Hill. Saw this late last week. They have conference win totals. We talk about this so much in football win totals throughout the year. Iowa State was at 8 coming into the year. Iowa was at 7.5 for the football season. Mm-hmm. This isn't for the full complement of the schedule. This is just the, uh, this is the Big Ten and Big 12. Big portion. Ten, Big 12. Now, okay. 20 conference games in the Big Ten, 18 in the Big 12. But both of these numbers jumped out to me right away, and I fired at them right what away when I saw them. Iowa State, 8.5. So they have to be 9-9 uh, nine nine or so better. 500 gets you a win if you take the over. Yeah, I'm in for that. I would I think take the so. over on that. I think at the very least this is a 500 team. I think they're mm-hmm. going to be certainly a touch better than that. Mm-hmm. I think they're in that 10-8 and 8 range. I can see that out of this squad, even with the slow start that they had against Northern Illinois. This team has a lot of talent. Well, they just they couldn't make a bucket, back, a bucket yeah. to save their lives, Trent. I think they're going to be a team, an NCAA tournament team, and, and with it, certainly 500 in the, in the league. The Iowa number surprised me. 20 games. 20 games. Yep. Nine and a half is the over under. Big Ten wins. This is only Big Ten regular season wins. 
Nine and a half. Oh, I, mean, look, I, I don't know about you, but when you said that number, I an opinion very quickly forms between my ears. Trent, they're not winning nine and a half games. This is, if you're betting the over, you think they're going to be 500 in the league. The Big Ten isn't great. It's not great. This no, is but... a down year, I think, for the league, but 500 in the league from what we have seen to this point? No, sir. You hate to say did you Did you fire? Oh, heavy. Heavy-handed on this one. <laughs> right. So the first two games that they play, remember, you got to bet this one uh, in December. Yeah, because they've, uh, what, December 4th or 5th? 6th. 6th. 6th, they go to Michigan, and then the ninth they get Minnesota at home. And they have not won a game in December since there. Big Ten play came into uh, 0 for 4. There you go. Back-to-back, 0 for 2 is there. You go through the schedule. When they get back into it, it's that Penn State game that's going to be Penn played State's at the Plus. It's going to be tricky. Yeah, no doubt. Nebraska's bad. Northwestern's bad, even regardless of what happened last night. There's some dregs. How of many this times conference. do they get Northwestern? Once or twice? They get the Wildcats one time. That's too bad. They get Nebraska twice. That's good news. There's a couple of wins. They get Rutgers. Looks like one time. Penn State twice. Mm-hmm. Minnesota twice. twice. Minnesota twice helps. Yeah. Not a very Maryland good doesn't team. help twice. No, not at all. How, how many uh, Buckeyes? Ohio State. Let's see. Please they play them towards one. the end. It looks like just one time with Good. Ohio State. That Good. helps. Uh, who else did the single plays? Illinois twice. I th- I bought the Illini again. Shauna's Vili. I thought they were going to be much better than what we've seen. They got talent. Same old. So same you've old. seen them. You've seen. You watched Illinois play. Yeah. It's just I can't get into it yet. When Maction's overall fights. Maction. How gross is that? I know, but Trent, it's football. And it's the terrible. Sand is football. running out of the hourglass. Well, then you're going to be excited about the XFL this spring. No, 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 no. Once the Super Bowl's played, I'm done. I'm out of football mode. But man, how? Oh, I, I, I love it. We only have one more week of Maction left, Trent. One. No, don't say that. I know. Don't say that. Good thing. You know, I brought it up with Bill Bender yesterday. By the way, have you done your top 10? I have. I sent it to him uh, last night. So just to recap our conversation from earlier in the week, um, because I told you, who? well, let me ask you, who is your number one overall college football player? Oh, let me uh, pull up my list here that I sent over to Bill Bender. I know Make you sure had Ricky Stanzi, too. Ricky Stanzi was number two, and Al Kinnick, three. <laughs> Jerry Kloss, seven. Jerry Kloss, seven. Aaron Granquist from Osage, he was at number 10. Uh-huh. He just made the cut. Herschel Walker was number yeah, one. Yeah, he's on very high list. on my list, too. So anyways, my list, is, as I told you, and you poked fun and poked holes in it, was Cam Newton. Cam Newton, who played one season. Right, that's okay. He's my, he was he most played common. three really good games. I get it, I get it. I think if you take a look, I think he almost had as big a vote discrepancy as Marcus Mariota. Did Mariota make your list? No. Okay. Um, but I asked Bill Bender. So Bill Bender, his, his the way he described it yesterday was he kind of envisions it like this: you go into a restaurant, you got a table for ten, mm-hmm. and who's going to fill up those ten? What we're talking about is the Sporting News asked a bunch of you know uh, sports people, writers, TV people, talk show hosts, uh, and Trent and I were asked to participate. Give us the top ten college football players of all time. It's incredibly difficult to mm-hmm. do. So then he said that he envisions it that you get this table at ten at the restaurant. And who's going to be at that table at ten? And I told him, and I didn't, I didn't uh, reveal too much of it, but he knows. But uh, the Cam Newton was my guy. And how many other guys have? How many other voters have Cam Newton on their list at number one? Cam Newton doesn't even have a seat at the table. <laughs> was the answer? I, I told you you were off. I, he played really well in the Iron Bowl. 
Yeah, but he was the Heisman winner. Come on. Well, there's he been plenty of Heisman. Ty Detmer was a Heisman winner. Yeah, but Cam Newton was an impressive. Cam Newton was unstoppable. All these guys were impressive. No, I Heisman. get it. I get it. You're basically at three games. This is the best college players ever. He was the best college player that year. That year? Yep, by a long ways. Only well, played one year, and this is the totality of it. One of my lists I probably, I would guess you don't have. Who? And Derek Thomas. I don't. So my memory, and this was, you know, I was nine years old, something mm-hmm. like that. And I just remember he was really good at Alabama. So then I looked at his numbers. His senior year, or his last season at Alabama, he had 27 and a half sacks. Did he really? Oh, yeah. That gets a seat at my table. 27 and a half sacks. Wow. College football is different today than it was in the 80s, yeah, but still. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say. Derek Thomas was up there. So that was one. How far did you go back in time? See, and I only, and maybe that was a problem. I had Niall Kinnick on my initial list that I had through. I had about 25 names probably mm-hmm. there. You know, Johnny Rogers, but that again, yeah, that I was a tough one. On there either. I, I cut him down on the list. It just, I didn't have that reference point, so I basically went from my knowledge base uh-huh. and the 80s right. is where I started and went from there. Probably not fair. Right, but, it's not fair, but that, that's what you were up against. It's, yes. it's a difficult, it's a difficult proposition. Ed Are, Reed also made my list. Probably did one, he? Yeah, he was so. Oh good. my! Those God. U teams were great, unbelievable. And then I looked at his statistics too. I think he finished with like twenty four career interceptions. Wow, he never even popped into my mind. He was awesome. I loved Ed Reed. Uh huh. Uh huh. Dion was on my list. I ended up cutting him off. It was my top three: Herschel Walker, yep. Bo Jackson, Barry Sanders. I've got them all. I've yeah. got them all in my top five. Jeff Butkus. I didn't. That was another one of the old-timers that I had he's on the, there. He's the old-timer on my list. And I had to go Orlando Pace. I had. To I put, found an offensive lineman. It's funny you say that because it came down to two. Did it you came, go Remington? No. No. Munoz. Oh, USC. Yeah, I went Munoz. Anthony Anyways, Munoz. That list will be coming out next week. In fact, I think the Sporting News will have it. And I'm anxious to see who's on it. I yeah. really am. Be a fun exercise. Uh, Alex Halstead joins the program next. It's Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Bye. It's 24 hour sports, morning, noon, and night here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Alex Halstead momentarily. Trent, we got so carried away with our top 10 list, we forgot to do a little business. Apologies for that, but let's see if we can make amends. Let's put another $1,000 in somebody's bank account or certainly give it a good try. Simply text the keyword CAR to 200-200 right now. That's CAR to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Do some basketball, do some football. I just saw that uh, Jamie Pollard just tweeted they've got the Camping World uh, Bowl uh, rep is going to be at, uh, at Jack Trice on Saturday. Pollard's putting them on the radio show, making them feel right at home, rolling out the red carpet. Look, the fan base wants Florida. Um, Alex, good to talk to you, as always. Trent and I were speaking off air, and maybe you don't know the answer to this. Has Iowa State ever played a football game in the state of Florida? Um, trying to think off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Um, I can't think of it. I, yeah, I don't know what the bowl game would be because most of their bowls have been inside the Liberty Bowl. Um, they might have been down there for a bowl way back when, but yeah, not coming to mind. 
No, I'm with you. They played in a Peach Bowl, right? And um, mm-hmm. that was, yeah, that would have back been. Back in the 70s. Back in the 70s, no. Anyways, uh, no no big deal. Just um, you know, thought we'd throw that out there. Good to talk to you. you know, let's do uh, basketball before we do football. And we saw a slow start. We saw a rough shooting night. The silver lining there, Alex, uh, I think you would agree, is you know every, every team is going to have a bad shooting night. Much better happen in November uh, with a team that you can overcome a bad shooting night as opposed to a January or February uh, in Big 12 play. Yeah, that's a question I asked Steve from after the game is, do you think this was just a bad shooting night or uh, like a blip on the radar or is this something that you, know, you guys have to kind of figure out a little bit? Because, you know, three-point shooting can come and go. You know, you can have cold nights and hot nights. But the three-point shooting, I know they did struggle with that a little bit in the scrimmages um, back in, in, what, late September. So, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to think, you know, is this going to become a better three-point shooting team or is Saturday, or I'm sorry, uh, the other day, an indication of maybe what it's going to be. Maybe not that bad, but are they going to struggle to deep Combs that he wants this team to shoot around 38% from three? So, you know, I think the, the, the big thing was you look at that backcourt, and I think the backcourt of Tyrese Halliburton, Roger Bolton, and uh, Prentice Nixon went 0 of 6, 0 of 5, and 0 of 3. You know, they're going to be better than that. So I think that's one positive you can take away from the game is they were able to score – 70 points, beat Northern Illinois by 18, and still go 3 of 25 from 3. I guess that's one positive if you do want to look uh, for the silver lining. Construction of this team, trying to figure out a lot of new faces out there. Solomon Young bouncing back off the entry. He's played really well, and now a three-headed monster. Big step forward, it looks like, out of George Condon as well. Yeah, Condon's really taking a step, and that's what one thing Steve Prohm kind of talked about before the season, and uh, he's talked about a little bit more now is, you know, they really, to be a good defensive team, which he thinks this team's going to have to be his probably best defensive team to be what they want to be, because maybe they're not as prolific offensively. They can be good offensively, but maybe they aren't what they were when they went to some of those sweet 16s. Um, so uh, he thinks that this team can be better defensively. I think one of the things is, is having an elite shot block, and you've seen that with George Condon mm-hmm. uh, the last two times out. You know, Oregon State, five blocks. Uh, then he had four blocks the other night. You know, he's starting to, you know, protect the rim. And not only that, but he's starting to, you know, kind of pick up some some of the offensive um, need, you know, he's a lot of his points are off putbacks, you know, and I think that's a big thing with Solomon right now is Conda and, and uh, Young are both kind of getting a lot of different points off, off putbacks. And I think that's one thing that this team needs um, is some scoring from that front court beyond just Michael Jacobson. Are, are they surprised with the start that Solomon Young has gotten off to? They have to be pleasantly surprised if they were after missing, you know, all of last year for the most part and him coming out and, and, and seemingly, um, you know, he's playing very well right now. Did this Has this caught them off guard in any way? I don't think it's caught them off guard. I think you could probably say they're pleasantly surprised, if anything, maybe of the offensive production. But I think this is kind of what they saw from him in flashes when he was healthy. And this is really now the first time he's been really fully healthy since maybe that first year. But, you know, when we saw him in Italy, it was uh, we were watching on, like, I think an iPhone screen. Um, right. You know, it, but, you know, he was showing this kind of effort. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing with him is, you know, he's not going to blow you away with some of his athleticism and whatnot, but you know, his effort to get some of those offensive rebounds and then those putbacks, especially some of the ones that we saw the other night, I think that's what, what Prohm has told him he wants from him. That's what his role is. And, uh, you know, Solomon does not say much. He's, he's really quiet. Um, but I think he's one guy that if anybody on this team embraces a role, it's probably him. And I think he knows that's what it is, is go rebound the ball, you know, be in there and, and, uh, and score when you get some offensive rebounds. But you did see the other night, you know, like we talked about at the beginning, Three of twenty-five from three. You saw in that second half they started feeding the ball inside to Solomon, and they started feeding it inside to Condit. They made more of an effort to, you know, since the threes weren't falling, to go inside. And I think that's something that those guys could continue to develop develop in this season is 
maybe more uh, feeding the ball inside than we've seen in years past. We had our question answered. Trent Mook Johnson uh, just tweeted the show. Uh, Iowa State played Florida State in 1975. So there's the answer to the question. They have indeed played a game uh, in the state of Florida. Thank you, Mook. There it is against the Seminoles. And wonder if Bowden was there yet in 75. Would have been close if he wasn't. At the very least. Well, it won't be down in Florida coming up here in uh, just a, a few weeks, but it will be in the Bahamas. Michigan. They play Southern Miss next week, but then it'll be the trip there. We're looking forward to that because it'll be an 11 o'clock game. We'll be able to talk about it as it is happening, at least the first half of it, against the Wolverines. Now, as this team gets ready, kind of a weird start to the schedule. Got this long break before the game next week, another long break after that. Construction of the schedule at least feels a little bit odd, Alex. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit weird. I guess sometimes you just have to take the games you can get and... Um... You know, it's going to give them time to kind of figure out what what went right, what went wrong in these first games before they go to the um, Battle for Atlantis. But yeah, Southern Miss next week. Obviously, they're hoping to at that point be three and one, then going to play uh, Michigan. But it's going to pick up quick from there. You got three games in three days at the Battle for Atlantis. You come back. I think this might be a little break, but then you get uh, Seton Hall, Iowa, um, and it really starts to pick up. You know, starting with that Battle for Atlantis. So next Tuesday is actually a Battle for Atlantis game in Ames, but I don't think it's going to. Uh, quite feel like it uh, uh, up here. Uh, let's move to football, Alex Halstead. Cyclone alert, Alex. Uh, since we started with bowls, have you? Are you one of the? Are you a bowl? I don't know, Nick. If that's the right word. Um, I, I get into it. I like trying to figure out where the uh, both of the schools are going to play their postseason. Uh, have you spent any time thinking where Iowa State is going to get once they get to that sixth win, and they will? Uh, have you figured it out, or at least attempted to do so? This is how, this is the time of year I start to look. It's kind of like the same thing with the NCAA tournament. I can't get get into the NCAA tournament projections in June right. or right now. Right. But as it starts to get a little closer and a little more real, and it actually feels like there's a resume there, I start to look. And I've started looking recently, but it's so jumbled. And I think the big reason is, you know, after Baylor and Oklahoma, you have Texas, Kansas State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Um, you know, those four schools are really kind of battling for that probably next spot or those next couple spots. And I think that's what has these bull projections so jumbled is you don't know where any of those schools are going to, you know, wind up. Texas still has to play Baylor and Iowa State. Kansas State and Iowa State play. Um, there's going to be some some movement still. And then, obviously, the Bulls can kind of pick based on who they want. So if Iowa State gets into a tie with Kansas State and Oklahoma State, I, you know, the, the camping world has one of the higher picks, and I assume they're going to pick Iowa State. They I wanted Iowa too. State last year. Yep. Um, so they might pick Iowa State over a 9-3 Kansas State team in an 8-4 and four Iowa State team if that's how it ended up. So there's still a lot to play for in that regard. But, you know, the bowls you really see right now with Iowa State are the Camping World, the Cheez-It Bowl, and then a little bit of the Liberty Bowl, too. But the Texas Bowl could be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I assume if Texas finishes third, you know, the Alamo Bowl would take them uh, if the Big 12 gets two in the New Year's Six Bowl. So there's still a lot that's still, you know, to be decided. Um, as it seems like there is every year, but this year especially, the Big 12 standards are pretty jumbled. How, how do you think the Memphis, if, if there is another return visit to Memphis this quick, how do you think that would go over? Probably not great. I think I think fans are probably going to be happy going to a bowl game in part, but you know, going back to the Liberty Bowl one, I think is this quickly. I think it's hard to be greedy if you're an Iowa State fan, uh-huh. given, you know, some of those final years of Paul Rhodes. But, but at the same time, you're going back to the same place that you were just recently. Not only that, when you look at the Cheez-It Bowl and the Liberty Bowl right now, I think the biggest downside for some fans that I've seen kind of on the message board is not even necessarily the location as much as right now the SEC is not going to have enough teams to get to the Liberty Bowl, so you're going to have an SMU-type school. Mm. When you look at the Cheez-It Bowl, the Pac-12 is probably not going to have enough schools to get to the 
Cheez-It Bowl. So you're looking like at San Diego State or Nevada. Um, and so some, I see, I've seen some fans who, beyond the location, they really want to play a Power 5 school, whether it's Pittsburgh or Miami. You know, that's what you're going to get in the, the Camping World Bowl. That's one of the ACC's top bowls. So you know if you go to the Camping World Bowl, you're going to get an ACC team. Whereas if you go to the Liberty Bowl or the Cheez-It Bowl, there's a chance right now that it's going to be a, a group of five school, which is fine. I mean, you saw that a good game in the Liberty Bowl against Memphis a few years back. But I think from some fans I've seen, they don't really care where they go. They just want to play a Power 5 school. So it's Texas this week. They're making the trip up and going to play in the cold weather at Jack Trice late afternoon game in November. This is a Texas team that is finally getting healthy, especially on the defensive side of the football. Last week, uh, Stearns and Foster, a couple of their safeties got back. Also sounds like Chris Brown, another one of their safeties, is going to be healthy. You know, They were down for a while playing like their 7th and 8th defensive backs there about a month ago, but they're getting healthy, playing better. Held Kansas State to just over 300 yards last time out. What do you expect to see out of the Longhorns, especially on that side of the football? Yeah, I asked, I asked Tom Manning about that. If he's seen differences in that defense as the weeks have gone along, as they've started to get more healthy, especially last week. And um, he said this is a really tough team schematically that they cause a lot of different problems with what they try to uh, throw at teams to begin with. But he said he's happy for Texas, you know, for those players getting back. But he said he's not all that excited to have to, you know, face him, especially this is probably the healthiest Texas has been since really the first week of the season. So uh, I was just going to probably get the, the best Texas you've seen so far on that side of the ball. And I think. Um, you know they're at, they're giving up like something like 300 yards passing per game, but like you said, it's a lot of those were defensive backs were out, and maybe some of the better Stearns, especially some of the better defensive backs in the conference. So I think it's going to be a difficult in that regard. I think the weather's been a talking point. It could probably be around freezing. I talked to Chip Brown um, from down in Texas. Mm-hmm. He's coming up, and he mentioned uh, he might be wearing several layers. So I know it's a talking point down there, but you know Tom Herman said he hopes it doesn't become a distraction. I think. You know, I've been trying to think if it really is that big of a deal. This is the first time ever Texas has played in Ames in the month of November. I don't think it's a big deal unless Iowa State can get a lead early because then I think you start to maybe, you know, get a team that in Texas that's already not really living up to expectations right. according to what they want. Plus, you get a lead on them and maybe they're like, you know, screw this. Like, <laughs> let's just get back down south. Mm-hmm. Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com. Alex, thank you. We will uh, talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Alex Hall said CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. All right, from the Clones to the Hawks, they're next with Mark Morehouse. I want to remind folks, uh, you Hawkeye fans out there, that we're giving you an opportunity to win two tickets to see the finale at Kinnick Stadium this year. That's right. Lovey Smith brings Illinois to town a week from Saturday. You can win two tickets simply by going to KXNO.com, click on the contest tab, uh, we're asking you to give us the combined score this weekend. Minnesota, Iowa, closest without going over. If you're that uh, person that gets it right, uh, you'll get two tickets to Iowa. There is a tiebreaker involved, but it's as simple as that. I think the process for signing up takes all of 30 seconds. Yeah, probably about right. 45 seconds. Doesn't take long. Uh, two tickets to see Illinois. Kexano.com contest tab. Mark Morehouse next. Trent and I until noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final segment 
Uh, of a Thursday edition, busy day on KXNO. Of course, Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4, Cyclone Fanatic Radio at 6, Hawkeye Nation Radio Show tonight at 7. I will be there for that one tonight, You're Hawkeye filling Nation. In? I'm filling in. AD making a three-day weekend of it and also be in for Murph and Andy tomorrow. Boy, uh, filling busy in. busy dude. I am. Busy dude. Let's well, get I, get a, I went away for a day, and all of a sudden, hey, we got a lot of things for you to catch up. Well, the joint fell apart. You got to catch up on those podcasts. <laughs> it didn't go well for me. I went well for you know what? Can I do, just real quick? Yes, Mark. It went real well for your Chicago Blackhawks yesterday. Sorry, Trent. That was that was a nice win. Um, or did they get? No, they won in the end. Yeah, sure they did. Nice win for the Blackhawks out in Vegas. It was a beautiful win. Um, it was about time to count them to five hundred and. Uh, uh, still, Joe Clen- Quenville remains the worst firing in yes. Chicago sports history. No, I agree with you. Patrick Kane was one of the best draft picks, certainly in hockey history. Boy, he's outrunning father time. Anyways, everybody wants to hear you opine on Iowa, so we'll uh, get them to that point right now, make them wait no longer. Here comes an unbeaten Minnesota team. Trent and I both feel like, you know, that the, the, the Gophers, I'm not saying they're going to let down, but... You know, they, they, they swarmed the field. They can't move anywhere on campus without being told how great they are. They had the biggest jump in the history of the, uh, of the playoff pull, uh, the television show moving from 17 to 8. Just a huge jump. I think if Iowa, I think if Minnesota can come out and, you know, knock Iowa in the mouth, then maybe the Hawks might be the team that says, you know what, we're really not into this today. I, where, where do you go with that, Mark? What kind of Minnesota team is going to show up? Hmm, like, great question. I think it's a Minnesota team that, uh, confident, should be confident. Um, but you, you bring up a great point. I mean, last week was Penn State. I think it would have been better for Minnesota if this week would have been Northwestern and yeah. then Iowa. Right. But it's not. And so this, I think, gives Iowa a chance. And, and not, not that, uh, Iowa needs a chance, quote unquote, but, uh, you bring up physical, hit Iowa in the mouth. I think Iowa would invite that. That's Iowa's game, and I think I, that's how Iowa should or could win this game. Is if it gets, they have to keep it physical. They have to keep it, you know, punch in your mouth type of pace, and um, they have to have that advantage over Minnesota. They have to have that physical advantage, and they have to maintain it. Um, where Minnesota's heads at? Uh, oh, that's a great question. I think uh, it could be everywhere, or it could be anywhere. But I, I do like the focus this team has shown. I mean, yep. early in the season when no one was paying attention, Minnesota was winning close games against nobodies. Mm-hmm. Well, they were still winning close games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have that focus. And then the next schedule, next part of their schedule was basically the rat traps of the Big Ten right now. Sorry, Nebraska, you're in that. You're <laughs> in that. Um, and, they, and they took care of business. Now is the hard part. Now is the hard part. And last week against Penn State, uh, undefeated, they certainly took care of business. Now on to Iowa, and we'll see. I haven't won there since '99. Um, a lot of parallels. Uh, Kirk Ferentz was asked about cats in '99 and pets, and he was asked about pets again this week <laughs> in a weird that. sort of in a weird sort of. Uh, Who asked him that? Uh, parallel. Do you remember? Um, Got to be Halas. I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, somebody asked him. I think about how he rewind, how he uh, unwinds after games after a loss, specifically. And uh, and he started talking about kicking his dog, and I'm like, oh boy, the Peter's not going to like this one. Right. Not at all. Well, certainly Hawkeye fans didn't like the result of what happened against Wisconsin. You were in the locker room after the game. It certainly didn't sound like a dejected group, and, and this is one thing 
that Ferentz's teams have been very good at. 24-hour flushing it and coming back here. You know, Ken brought up, you know, if this team, what's going to be left in the tank? What do you believe is left in the tank with the division title now off the board for the Hawkeyes? I think there's plenty left in the tank. Um, I think this is still a really good football team. If you look at their three losses, two on the road, all three to ranked teams. Uh, one was Penn State. Um, I try not, I don't want to. I don't want to make drive anybody crazy with this, but say there's one or two guards they could access, maybe even just one. <laughs> right. uh, what a different season it is, and uh, uh, they probably win at least one of those three games. And everybody's sort of like, okay, bring on Minnesota, and there's still some division hopes. I think the fact that the division hopes are extinguished does probably more to the fan base than it does the players. The players are still their butts are still going out there. They're, they they still uh, uh, have a chance to really get noticed with a win over big win over Minnesota, or it'll be you know a, them being the minute the poster in the Minnesota hit film going into whoever they play next week. So uh, that's on them. That's what they can control. I think the fans probably there's a little more air out of the balloon for fans because Indy is out. Yeah, indeed it is. Oh, Mark Morehouse, uh, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, can I go back one more? To, I, I love the play call the, the, when they went for two. I thought it was a terrific play call. I mean, it fooled the umpire. The umpire thought, well, I was going to throw the ball in the end zone. He moves forward. Makai Sargent can't get a chip. I'm convinced if he does. I don't know. I thought it was Orr. might have been the other linebacker who was making a play, but they were both there. I, I think Stanley scores. And look, they still would have had to stop Jonathan Taylor. Easier said than done. I get it. But the play call, play call overall, it got a lot of criticism. I, for one, uh, wasn't joining that group of criticizers. I, I, critics, but, uh, uh, better. I, I would yes. say, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, you made, I made up a word. I got called out for it, so good for you. <laughs> I like making up words. Um, I, I think it was a good call, too, and I and I was surprised. I think uh, right afterwards, I, I tweeted Gussie call, and I had a few people come at me, but I had, I was surprised more and more people came at me and said, uh, you know, that call was fine. And then, you know, you go down the locker room afterward, and, hey, Wisconsin, did you expect a quarterback draw on the two-point conversion? And Wisconsin says, no, we did not. And so it was a great call. Uh, you just wish Stanley's leaning a little more mm-hmm. at the end of that run. I'm not sure it would have helped. Uh, uh, Chris Orr, the linebacker, made a great read, and that was the guy that Makai Sargent would have blocked. Mm-hmm. And I liked Kirk's reaction to the umpire getting away in the postgame. He said, that's football. <laughs> I'm not going to pin them with that one this time because that is football. Yep. And uh, the safety came in and cleaned him up. Uh, first question I have for Stanley this week is, how are you doing? He said fine, so uh, I think he should be good to go. Think of both of you guys. Think of how many times Stanley's been hit, and think of how many times he's not gotten up. I, mm-hmm. I can't count too many times where he's not gotten up. A lot, of, a lot came crashing down on him last week, and I think this week that probably fuels him to kind of maybe write a new chapter for himself. Mark, uh, after a loss, there's always conversation change. What needs to happen? What needs to evolve? Kirk Ferentz, he has evolved. He has changed as a coach from the guy that we saw 20 years ago. But it just hasn't been the big change. The biggest question remains, the schemes that Iowa runs, especially in the running game, can it work outside of having elite-level offensive linemen, one through five? Can the zone-blocking scheme work in a big way in college football today as we know it? Hmm. I, I would. A lot of teams run inside zone. I mean, there are a lot of teams run inside zone out of uh, spread formation, mm-hmm. so... I don't think the, I think the inside zone is a staple play in college football. I don't see that going away, and I think Iowa probably sticks with that. 
Trent, I think the bigger question is uh, offensive line recruiting and uh, uh, the quality and the development of offensive linemen coming out right now. It's been it's kind of leveled out. Uh, I mean, yeah, they probably could, they probably will put two tackles in the NFL draft this year, but uh, there's still three other positions that lag. And uh, you know, I think Fenner's in good hands. I think Tyler Linderbaum's the right guy. He's still in his first year doing it. Mm-hmm. Guard positions were both deficits this year, and so I think if you trend, if you look at maybe where this offensive line sits in the Ferentz era, probably bottom third, and uh, and the results probably reflect that. Um, will this be better with a better offensive line? That's a great question, Trent. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say yes mm-hmm. because I think the league changed very much so when Rich Rodriguez brought the spread offense to Michigan, and then you, a couple of years later, there's Urban Meyer with the spread offense winning national titles at Ohio State. Um, I, right now, I think I think pro style offense and what Kirk's trying to do and what I was trying to do, a little bit of a dinosaur. And uh, does it need change? Probably a little bit, and probably um, exactly what I'm not quite there yet as far as you know figuring out what they should do. But I do like uh, I like how, and this is probably a parallel that I that we strained. But I like how Wisconsin's gone to a three four defense and has access to outside linebackers who before were really not doing anything six two to two hundred and forty pound guys. I think there are opportunities with that on offense and opportunities with that. Um, Trent, I think uh, the last couple of weeks, Ferris has talked about big offensive linemen and how he's maybe yeah. kind of covetous of that. And I'm wondering, hmm, is there maybe a Wisconsin sort of look here coming? But, you know, who knows? I think I, I do think the, the zone scheme is viable. Uh, I'm just not sure this offensive line has run it very well this season. Mm, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, a couple more minutes. Uh, the likelihood of Christian Welsh uh, playing this week, what's what's his status? What can you tell, help us out with that? And then Brandon Smith apparently is actually going to dress, go through warm-ups, but isn't going to play until next week in Illinois. So the good news is he's close, but what about Welsh? Yeah, and I think they really need uh, Christian Welsh, senior linebacker. You dropped from a senior linebacker who's fully downloaded all the information and physically, physically can do the job to a redshirt freshman against and Dylan Doyle against Wisconsin. That was a bad matchup. Uh, they need Christian Welch. Um, I haven't heard much outside of Tuesday. It sounds like he it sounds like there was still a decision to be made this week with him. So I would I would kind of watch that. Uh, Brandon Smith. I don't think I, I wish I I think. Fans are a little bit teased now that maybe he could come back this week. See, that's how I, I, I saw I, it too. I, I I would hang on what Kirk said about probably not this week. Right. So uh, I would wait on that one, but I think they definitely need Christian Welsh, especially in this game. Um, RPOs are coming at Iowa, and uh, the linebackers really matter in coverage. Just read the transcript. Chippy, Chippy Kirk Ferentz this week. What? How? How was the hard to get the tone through reading through the transcript? I would say opaque. Um, okay. Just kind of. Uh, he was asked very specific football questions this week. One about when uh, about the coordinator. He, I asked him about, uh, do you want to run that third quarter offense that looked really great uh, in the first quarter? <laughs> and you, and the answers that came back were very just kind of uh, uh, took the air out of the question. So um, I, I think opaque is how I would go with it, and I would say uh, uh, I, I I don't think that wins them any. Fans, I think they'd like to see some sort of—I don't want to say fire because I think that's phony—but I think some real answers, some real football type answers, and I think that's fair. That's a fair thing for fans to ask. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Next week we will do it again, sir. 
All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take Thank care. you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, gazette.com backslash sports for Mark. Um, I know you're Mr. Monday Night. I am. Can you sprinkle some of that magic onto tonight's matchup? Don't have a strong feel. I told Did, you at the top, if I had to make a bet, it'd be on the Browns. Uh, Cleveland is favored three. Three and uh, reduced Drukes, at least at Bill Hill right now. Get it uh, flat, minus 100, mm-hmm. minus 120, if you want to go with the Steelers and grab that field goal there. Don't have a whole lot I like in the college game tonight. Pitt, UNC, right? Yep, that, that's, that's the it. one yep. there. I saw some college basketball that I'm keeping my eye on, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'll fire at some stuff, I'm sure. The Panthers are four, by the way. Oh, Panthers favored by four mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah, just not a whole lot on the card that I'm loving right now, but I'll always find something. Well, Oh, I got one. Sienna, plus nine and a half at Harvard tonight. Sienna, plus Sienna, nine. Yeah. You're going to fire at that game? Yes, yes. Can you watch it anywhere? Does it matter? Probably not. It doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> We'll, we you will can be, bet on it, though. You can. They're going to sing the anthem, and you can wager on it. Uh, tomorrow, busy show, busy Friday. We've got Claxons to give away our picks for whatever they're worth. But Baba Trent and I will go around the terrific card of college football, do some NFL, get the Bears in there, the Vikings, and, of course, the Chiefs with Nick Athen, Cakert, and Montz will give us our last look at Iowa and at Iowa State. A busy Friday, busy day on the radio here on KXNO. Murph and Andy, of course, at 2, then the Fanatics at 4. Uh, Cyclone Fanatic Radio at 6, and then Hawkeye Nation Radio at 7. Trent will be part of that. Who else is on? Uh, Schmelka. Schmelka. Who John runs... Miller part of it still? Yeah, yeah. He usually pops on early in the show, right, uh, right after 7 o'clock. He'll be on there. Rob Howe will be along, uh, always talking with those guys. And getting ready for... My favorite trophy, my favorite rivalry oh, game for Iowa. Yeah, it's really good. I grew up 10 minutes away from the Minnesota border. This is a big one for me as a hockey fan. I bet it fan. does. All right, so thanks for being with us here today. Podcast will be up. Miller and Condon. We're here every Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. Appreciate you being with us. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.